episode 32 of Mind Over Matter. We got Zach on, Isaac. What a great episode. Covered quite a bit in here. Um, very, very excited with how this episode came out. Zach's one of a kind, man. He went through quite a bit of adversity. Went through quite, quite a bit of a grieving stage, just like me. A uh, little different situations and ended up kind of in the same spot. He's doing sales, running his own agency up in the mountains over in Lake Tahoe. And just had a really great outlook on life. So it was a great episode. Love talking to him. What'd you think, Chad? You know, he had a very like a mature outlook on life, especially death. We've talked about death before, but never like the grieving process. And the way Zach like processed everything, it was so unique. And I it resonated a lot with me. So we're going to get into that. Some hard stuff to talk about, but it's really cool. And it's a really interesting way to kind of see how another person's mindset works. So that being said, let's get into it. Let's get into it. And Zach, like I said during the show, man, I'm proud of you. Proud of who you are. Proud of who you become, man. You saw what you're going to be. So let's keep going and let's get into the episode. Y'all enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome on back to the Mind Over Matter podcast. It's got episode 32, brought on Red, Zach, Isaac, whatever. <laughs> He's here. All of them. Ready Any to of talk, them. man, ready to talk. We had a good little conversation before we started, but to start it off, how are we feeling today, fellas? Zach, how you feeling over there? And I'm feeling great. It's been a, you know, been a pretty long week. You got a got a lot of snow. Had to hop up on the roof, shovel some snow off this morning. But um, you know, feeling pretty good. Ready to, you know, ready to talk about some shit. Ready to get into it. Yeah, Kev. No, nah, bro. I'm pumped. Uh, this is our third guest from the Irrational Optimist group. Shout out to them. Uh, it's crazy how many dope people there are in there. I'm like thinking, is there any turds that you know are in this group? But. No, super impressed with the quality of people on there, and I'm pumped to have you on, Red. And I'll kick it back to Trevor. Let's get this pop. If there's if there's any turds in there, that, hey, we'll find them for you, Jake. No worries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll weed them out. <laughs> Turd collectors, bro. <laughs> no, man. Uh, you want to just go in a little bit, Red, on uh, your past, like where you're at now, who you are, where you're from, where you at? Man, so, yeah. So, um, right now I'm living up in Lake Tahoe, California, right on the border, California, Nevada. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, um, like outside of San Francisco, lived there until I was 18, went away to college up in Northern California. Um, when I was at school, um, kind of was just not, was not really having the greatest time at school. Like I really just couldn't like Honestly, I couldn't even like bring myself to go to most of my classes. It was just like, I felt like it was, I don't want to say like beneath me, but it was just like boring as hell for me. Like it just wasn't entertaining, wasn't interesting whatsoever. So um, ended up like starting up my own uh, marketing agency when I was 19. And then that started to do decently well. Uh, picked up and moved down to like transferred schools to um, an online like San Diego State online program, uh, moved down to Southern California in Orange County with my girlfriend at the time, lived there for about two years. Then I picked up and moved to uh, Denver, Colorado, just to kind of like, wanted to kind of experience the, uh, experience the country, I guess. Yeah, that's like my always been... right there, Oh, that's right. awesome, dude. I love, I love Denver. Um, Shout out to Denver. Bro. But yeah, so I 
went from Southern California to Denver and then, you know, spent a year in Denver was like, all right, like there's more, you know, there's more to the United States. Moved down to Orlando, Florida for, I was there for about eight months. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, like some shit went down. Like my girlfriend and I ended up breaking up. Um, and I ended up moving to, uh, moving up here to Tahoe just to kind of like, I guess, get away from it all for a couple months. Um, and then coming up next month, end of April, early May, going back down to Florida. I'm thinking I'm going to land in Tampa actually. So I'll be, I'll be close to you guys. Um, I've heard some great things about Tampa. So yeah, I'm excited, but, um, yeah, man, that's just kind of like a, kind of a brief rundown on, uh, on me, I guess when I was down in Southern California, I kind of got into crypto through, you know, after the marketing agency caught the bull run at the absolute perfect time. So that was like, and that was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, like things have just kind of, I guess, you know, progressed, progressed from there. Like now I'm in sales. Um, so I've got a couple sales gigs and then I've got my agency that I'm running as well. So yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's a little bit about me. So you your whole school life growing up was in California? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Seem- yeah, yeah, I guess like uh, literally, yeah, like elementary school all the way through college was uh, California schools. And how come you don't have like pink hair and- <laughs> or wearing a dress? Bro, I can, um, man, I honestly, I can kind of chalk that up to uh, my dad. Like growing up with my dad, he was, um, my parents were, or I guess, my dad, so my dad passed last year, actually coming up like it will, be, it will have been a year since he passed in like two weeks. So like last day of March, either March 31st or April 1st, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that was like, obviously that was like a big, you know, happening in my life over the past year. But um, growing up with my dad, uh, my parents had me much older. So my dad was 46 when he had me and Whoa. my mom was 38. So yeah, they were definitely, they were older. Um, and so like my dad was, he grew up, um, his father. So my grandfather on my dad's side was, um, a pilot in the Canadian RAF. Um, so he flew bombers in world war two. And then after world war two came back, um, moved to like Washington, like the state of Washington um, and was one of the head engineers for Boeing. And basically he was doing all that, like working on planes, kind of, you know, I guess lead engineer stuff. Um, and then he whatever bought, they do, yeah, yeah, whatever they do. Um, he ended up buying like an apple orchard. So my dad grew up on a farm basically up in Washington where, you know, much more like traditional style of, you know, growing up, I guess. And then him being my dad, he kind of instilled those values in me. So all the, all the like pink hair shit, all that stuff was never even really like on my, never even really like on my radar. But I will say like, there's a lot, you run into that stuff a lot, yeah. like going to school in California. Like, and I remember my first exposure to that was, I was in like sixth grade. I was like 11 years old. And this dude that was in one of my, um, like, I don't know, like, like one of my elected, like a choir class or something like that. Um, Yo. He, he was like, Well, no, so, like, he was, you know, this kid, like, played lacrosse, like, you know, normal, like, a normal kid, like, a normal 11-year-old dude. And then, like, the next year, the kid was just gone, like, disappeared, like, dropped off the face of the earth. And I was, like, you know, we weren't, like, super tight, but, like, I knew him. And 
you know, comes back to school. <clears throat> I'm kind of like, you know, what, what, like, what the hell happened to this guy? Turns out, like, he, I guess he still went to the same school, still did, like, still did all oh, the same no shit, way. but he was now a she. And I was, like, complete, like, didn't recognize him, like, had absolutely no idea. It was just, like, out of nowhere. But, like, yeah. Uh, a- no, no, definitely not. <laughs> Yo, wait, yeah. actually, how old are you, real quick? Uh, 23. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. At 11 years old, that is fucking incredible, dude. Yeah, like, 11, 11 12, like, it was, yeah. It was yeah, fucking, that wow, that it was weird. Far off than how I grew up. Not how I grew up, but when I grew up. So, like, same timing, except I was in the south suburbs of Chicago, so. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> a little yeah. different. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to think, like, even in Colorado, I mean, I graduated in 2014, but the only thing I heard about that kind of, like, not woke, but you know that, how they are in California was, like, I used to say, that's so gay a lot. And yeah. then someone was like, you shouldn't say that because it's offensive to gay people. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, I still say it now, but it, there, that was j- about it. And, uh, like, it's fascinating to hear, like, the stories about how, like, worse it's gotten now from younger people. Dude, well, I mean, there's... Yeah, Sorry, go even, ahead. That's not even, like, younger, Kev. That's, like, my age. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not even, like... <laughs> yeah, know, like, bro. it ain't, like, 50 years past. Yeah. It's, like, a year and a half yeah. past, dude. <laughs> Yeah, like I graduated high school in 2018. So yeah, only four years later. Yeah, like, but yeah, dude. Like, I I will say, growing up in California, it's definitely different. Like, high school, you're more like exposed to that stuff. Like, it's kind of right in front of your face. Like, um, you know, man, I had a teacher in uh, high school. I'm not gonna drop any names or anything, <laughs> but like, bro, she was like, you know, she thought she was like super smart. Like, she had her like Stanford like. you know bachelor like history degree like whatever up behind her desk and stuff like that and like you know she was a history teacher like a u.s history teacher and bro i was in her class when trump got elected and dude the day like the day he got like november 11th whatever election day was like when they come out with the final poll results she literally came into class or we all like all the students came into class and she's like sitting at her desk and she like stands up like wiping tears from her eyes and she's like you know what guys i'm i just can't teach today like this is this is the worst day i've ever experienced in my life like i can't believe our country is like going down this like dark dark path like this is absolutely like this is unbelievable like and then she showed and then um we like watched like basically a like for me at that point i took it as basically like a propaganda video like against trump like just talking about all these bad things that he did, no. all these bad people who he like associated with. Yeah, dude, it was like that. That's kind of what like that's basically how we were like taught in high school, which is like it's just not like it's just not true like at all. And I only like I say and I bring up my whole dad and like him being older and stuff. My grandfather flying in World War Two uh, because I like they taught me about history. So, like, going into high school and all of this stuff, I knew history. Like, I knew it, I guess, as it was taught in a prior, like, generation. And so I would hear all of this shit and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is literally, like, this is, like, made up, like, like what, what are you talking about, basically?
My bad, everybody. I wasn't recording my voice. My cat clicked the mute button. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, so so I know like the history. I'm talking about history. I know the history so that I could tell my kid what actually happened right now in, in my time because I know how hard it is to find information of the past history. <laughs> it is so hard to find information or the right information to actually be able to talk about it. You don't even know the right information. Like, my dad's a history professor, full disclosure, and he would tell me all these, like, fun facts about what I was learning, and it's like, I realize there are no real good guys in history at all. It's like, the it's written by the victors. It's like, how much of this shit is not true or partially true? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, it's... it's only written by the people who already won. <laughs> yeah, know, it, especially all... yeah, growing up in Colorado, yeah, they only talk about, like, World War Two and like slavery. That was the big like. If you only like went to school, that would be the only two historical events you ever knew. No, the same thing. Same thing in California. And like, you bring up a very good point. Like history in particular, it's all about like the perspective because you only have one perspective on what actually happened. Like in we'll call it most cases, uh, but like it would be super interesting if there was like you know, I guess both perspectives or like both sides of the story kind of like yeah. taught in all of these different ways. I'm sure like how the story is told and how it all kind of, I guess is taught today would just be completely different if you actually had multiple perspectives on stuff, yeah. not just like the U.S. perspective on the Revolutionary War or World War II, like, you know, any of that you stuff. You even go further, like you, I couldn't see a Spartan from Rome at the end of the war just going up to them, shaking their hand, and be like, hey, do you mind leaving out this part or something? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, mind including yeah. that we were actually pretty cool? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, no, exactly. War, shake my hand, bro. Yeah, like, especially as you go further back in history, it's like, how can we possibly know every little detail about everything? It's like, there's no way. It's like our inferencing, like, or our assumptions just increase so high the further back we go. Like, I don't know how accurate that really is. That's like, dude, grain of salt. That's why I'm going to write a book. Yeah? I'm telling you, I'm going to write a book. Someone brought it up. I talked about it a while ago. Just, I brought it up to you, Kev, like, probably like six months ago. I just wanted to. Thought it would be cool to write a book. And then I hopped on a call yesterday with a, a podcast dude, and he's like, you should be writing a book already. I was like, oh, my God. Finally, someone who agrees. <laughs> I should be <laughs> writing a book. Just because, yeah, just putting my words on paper for everyone to see, especially like for my kid, here's my book that I spent the time to write about, did the research on all these topics, whatever it is. Here's my book. You could learn from this type shit. Yeah. Cause you can capture the vibe. Like I'm really fascinated by vibes in history. Like with, we had a show with my uncle on, uh, cause he was a cop during nine 11. And like, I obviously knew what happened, but I'm like, what was the energy like with the people there? Was it like anger, you know, like, what was it like? It's like you could really talk about that in your story, Trev. Like this is how you actually kind of felt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, like actually capturing the like the feeling of that time in history, yeah. which is like Oh, dude. You know, it's like in history books, school, whatever it is, like you're not actually getting that. You're getting some like, you know, I don't know, like retrospective view yeah, on things good. that happened in the past. Yeah. But if you could get like the in the moment, like updates and stuff like that, that's why I think Twitter is so cool, honestly, yeah. is because it's like constant, um, you know, constant updates. It's like live, 
live action stuff that's going on, how people are feeling at the moment. You can just kind of, it's all documented. You can just go back and look at any given time in history, or I guess since Twitter's been created, which is not that long. But like that's, that's why I think Twitter is such a cool, um, like such a cool app. Yeah, I, I never even realized that Kevin got me on it. I never used Twitter before, like probably like six months ago. I never used Twitter before. And Kevin's like, dude, if you just hop on, go to my account, and follow everyone I follow, you'll be in the right little space on Twitter, money Twitter, and you can just, that's it. And sure enough, well, hopped on Twitter, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah, like before, I'd mostly go on Reddit to get like my, that was like my news hub, I guess. And, uh, I re- like realize that like, these are all articles written by people. Like that's anytime that happens, there's going to be room for interpretation. So like then I found Twitter and I'm like, okay, this is like where you're actually getting the quickest info. Yeah. And like you can talk to everyone. Like if we were in ancient Rome, there's no chance Trevor would even see the king, <laughs> let alone yeah, interact with. Talking him. to dude in Belarus. Like, yeah. No no, you can connect with anybody. Yeah. Twitter, honestly, Twitter like completely changed like the trajectory of my life, which is kind of a kind of a funny thing but like yeah getting on twitter back in like 2018 just like on a um like a crypto account whatever it was i found people like that's how i got the idea to even start up like a marketing agency or invest in crypto any of that stuff that's funny yeah you got those jobs that like you only hear about on twitter exactly like, like, yeah like i didn't like, know what copywriting was like imagine Trevor's dad is like 55 cut up and say, Oh yeah, I've got a new job doing lead gen for a uh, DTC <laughs> uh, drop shipping brands. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. And that's, I, that was kind of the thing was, I always knew that like college wasn't going to be, or I guess, you know, college is one thing, but like the nine to five, like traditional, you know, basically just becoming like a cog in the machine, that whole route. I knew ever since I was like little that that wasn't for me. Like I just couldn't get behind it. Um, and then, yeah, finding, finding Twitter, seeing all these guys, you know, talking about, man, I just made, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a month um, from like six clients with, a, you know, running Facebook ads for whatever it is, e-commerce brands, like for like home. doctors, dentists. Yeah, like sitting in my, you know, sitting in my pajamas or whatever it is. Yeah. And so that just kind of got me, that kind of got me started, which is like, I owe a lot of where I'm at now to just kind of getting on Twitter and following the right people at, a, at the right time. Do you think there's like a physical equivalent to Twitter? Like, do you think there's, cause that's kind of what me and Kevin are trying to do with our school of solace. It's like a physical equivalent. Like it's not even physical. Like, a, I don't even know how to say it. Like a, you don't run no. into people like pe- the people on Twitter. It's so small. How many people are in that space on Twitter? You don't run into them and you almost would never find out about the shit unless you go on like Iman Ghazi's account. You know, like, and then, yeah. then you get the the bullshit, like, customer-based YouTube videos. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't think there's anything physical, like, anything in real life that is similar to Twitter. I would say the most, um, I would say the most similar thing that kind of even comes to mind would be, like, a college campus. But the college campus is going to have completely different like styles of thinking, completely different ideas than you're going to find on money Twitter. Um, the only things I could think of is like, there's um, a couple guys um, like Andre Heichel and uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. And um, like cold email wizard. And they have the client Ascension, which is their basically coaching program. Oh, yeah. We and got have- pitched that. Yeah. They have meetups in Tampa, like kind of, I think they do them all over, like all over in Florida, um, like Tampa, Miami, Orlando, probably. 
Um, but that would be the only real life situation I can think of where you're going to run into anybody who is like of the same caliber in terms of just like their high level like business thinking. Yeah, you know what I'm uh, Closify guy? Closify? Is that the same Andre? Um, no, no, that's Alex. Alex is the Closify guy. Well, not anymore. Just so that. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think of it as like us and like money Twitter. We're similar destinations. Like, they're more about money and chicks. We're about like money and freedom and family. But like, we're both doing similar enough things. It's just what we're doing is taking the funnel that is super narrow for money Twitter and kind of making it bigger to where more people can get it. Well, but, and like, that's yeah, no, like, that's that's awesome. That's why what I think you guys are doing is so cool is because. It's not just like, there's almost not like, I guess, prerequisites in order to be like in order to kind of grow yourself to be somewhat, you know, big and like, influ like, I guess, to have influence on like money Twitter, you have to be able to, you know, show receipts of making X per month, like, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, I drive a Lambo, like I'm able to, you know, afford this super cool high rise apartment in Miami or LA, wherever it is. But like, I feel like what you guys are doing is, like you said, kind of opening that funnel and giving a more, like, wide entry path, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, because, like, it, that shit's intimidating. Like, when I was hopping yeah. on Twitter and it's, like, dudes going out with their girls saying I shouldn't have a girlfriend until I'm 30. I'm sitting in my, like, sitting next to my girlfriend, like, what the fuck? I thought she was pretty cool, bro. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, I liked her. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, that's what, like we were saying, like, they need more classic cars. That's another yeah, thing. exactly. Like me and Kevin are, we got our own little niche. We're more mechanical people. That's just through our, you know, eight from 18 to fucking 23, 25, we, we learned about mechanics. That was our thing. We learned mechanics. There's not many people on Money Twitter that started like that. You know, like the, most of them are like dudes didn't know what to do, did not going to college, just like you, and end up on Money Twitter. And, like, and like, it's just a different. I don't want to say, like, personality. Like Kevin said, it's just a different end goal, I guess. It's we're just different. different. Yeah, we're just we're not competing, <laughs> you know? Like, if I was an 18-year-old kid looking at both of these, I would probably go for money Twitter first because I want to, you know, get a lot of chicks and make a lot of money. And then when I'm, that, like, when that gets old, like, join School of Solace and kind of make that more of a family-centric mission. So it's it's not like they're competing with each other or we are with them it's like there's room enough for all of us yeah we just want to help get people into that space a little bit easier absolutely and like i see i guess i've noticed like kind of on money twitter through io like people are i guess you know a lot of the big guys are kind of shifting more towards that like long-term family dynamic as their goal um because you know like all the all the girls and like all of that shit it gets old like yeah. really quick really and then you quick. kind of realize like you know you make the money you you know you're able to go out to the club and whatever hook up with chicks you drive a cool fast car but then you kind of get to this point where like you're not actually satisfied with those things yeah. um and you know what's next it's like okay yeah i actually want to start a family like i want to find one high quality like good girl that i enjoy spending time with settle down have kids and kind of move on to that next chapter of life yeah, that's why it's kind of cool, like, the stuff me and Kevin got going on. Because, yeah, Kevin's been married since he was 18. Like, homie's been married. Like, you know, yeah. that's a part that we could help people out in. I've gone through my fair share of bullshit 
with with females. Most most people, like you're saying, it's just hop on money Twitter, make your money, go do, go have fun, do your thing, and then you end up like you said, what the fuck happens next? And now you don't really, I mean, you got the money and shit, that's cool. You're a top one percent man, but you don't have the woman. So, I mean, men need women, women need men. You like you're not building anything. You know what I'm saying? Like you fuck a chick and then that's it. Yeah. It's like and then not, you exactly. And it's like, are you really like that top 1% man? If you don't have like a solid relationship yeah. and like, you're not kind of taking those, like there's different categories of life and that's a huge one. And like, Kevin, like I have a lot of respect. Like you've been married since you were 18. Like I had a girlfriend from when I was like 17 until yeah, like 23, like six months ago about. Um, and like, that was my goal with that was like, ultimately I wanted to get married, like have kids, all of that. So you know, I have a lot of respect for, I guess, getting married young and kind of starting that foundation at an early age. Because, you know, really, once you get the money, once you get all of that stuff, like, the only thing that's left is to, you know, go have a family, like do things that genuinely make you happy, not things that just bring you like material happiness. Yeah. Is that, you know what I mean? Yeah, my, my biggest thing was like, I don't want to, I want a girl to see me when I'm like fucking hurting, bro. Like, my girlfriend, I ran into her. I was barely moving out my bed. And this is one thing Money Twitter talks about. Like, I, you need to be this big, strong man. Well, I ran into my girlfriend, and she healed me to where I am now. To me, that says a fucking lot about a woman, you know? And for a man who's already got the money, already got the cars, already got the house, I don't know if you're going to find someone willing to do that when you break down. And you, who knows what happens? You don't have the money. Some, some bullshit happens. Cause I've been, yeah. been there where some bullshit happens. <laughs> She's going to divorce her ass and take half that money, bro. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. It, some guys take that shit so far on Twitter too. Like the, the non-monogamous people like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should, I should be able to have like 10 girlfriends at once. It's like, Oh, I don't know, bro. Like the average person's not reading that and thinking like, you know, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. you know, right on. <laughs> yeah. The guys who are, you know, saying, yeah, you know, I should have, four girlfriends all the time and they should all respect each other and like you know respect want me, me to go be yeah respect me and want me to go be, be with these other three girls that i'm also dating it's like dude that's just not like you know maybe with like super like low quality you know, like low self-esteem women but not with like somebody who's worth kind of building a life with and like having kids with but even they they don't want you to go fuck other chicks like they'll tolerate it Right, yeah, right. You got money in a car, of course. Yeah, of course they're gonna tolerate that shit. Well, and nobody yeah. like no, especially like I guess the women that I've known are all very like, for the most part, it seems like they're just innately like possessive. Like they don't want you to go be or you know innately jealous. Like they don't want you to go be with somebody else. And like I can see how in certain in certain perspectives that i see on twitter i can see how like like using that jealousy or using that like innate possessiveness can allow you to go have multiple girlfriends but like at the same time like i was saying you're never going to be able to build something long term like even if you wanted to go say you know what yeah i pick you like i pick one out of my four girlfriends like how is that person ever going to actually trust you long term to like start a family or do any of those things that are I guess, important, like, once you get past the, I don't, I, I, I call it, like, the, like, early 20s stage in life, because once you kind of get past that, and some people go through it earlier, some people go through it later, but for me, I, I think of it as the early 20s stage, once you get past that, like, as a man, like, 
you want kids, you want a family. That's kind of the like natural calling. You can't do that with like four girlfriends. Yeah, it just so, doesn't I work. Mean, girls want Who has the energy, too. bro? Yeah. yeah. The energy, yeah. But girls, girls want that shit too. They, they do their fair share of partying, do their fair share of whatever. They want to settle down. And if they didn't do the partying, it's because they've been wanting to settle down. You know? Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. She never did the partying, never did anything crazy in college, nothing stupid. She's been waiting for the right guy to come along and settle down. And she, she found him. Like, that's... Oh, great, you know, great guy. <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't make a better dude in the lab. Like, that's no, dude. That's awesome. That's the tragic part, though. It's like you hear, like, women saying that it's a sign of strength to go out and sleep with a bunch of guys. And it's like... You know, us men, yeah. like, some might put up with it, but, like, that is an issue for us. And they don't like it, but, like, that's not going to change. Like, and, we, like, like when we have all, an issue, bro. When did all of that start being, like, normal? Like, I, you know, being, you know, younger, like, 23, like, I kind of grew up in, like, you know, high school, whatever it was. Like, it was always normalized for, like, you know, this, like, strong woman, like, type thing and like you know that's great like yeah a strong woman is good but like why does that mean you're gonna go out and like just sleep with a ton of like a ton yeah. of different dudes yeah, like i never yeah i never understood that and i never knew kind of like like when did that start happening because you know shit like even like watch movies from like you know the 80s 90s and like yeah, that's not how fellas, bro. yeah yeah like, <laughs> like that's not how <laughs> yeah that's not how like the the women acted and like typically i feel like movies are a decent like kind of scope into the times like we were talking about twitter being like you know real-time updates on what's yeah. going on in the world like movies that are made in the 80s about the 80s are going to be a pretty decent like view into what life was actually like back then yeah, um, unless it's you know, like it, a fantasy yeah. movie or whatever yeah like the directors aren't trying to make it anything like their goal is to make it as realistic as possible think about the shit now like if you look at a, any war movie their goal is to make it like the war you know and then what you do is you go to people that been in the war and say, is it kind of like this? They say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you go to your grandpa and like, grandpa, is this kind of what y'all had to go through? And it's like, yeah, dude, your grandma wouldn't shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say like, personally, I was like a little, like pretty left growing up in Colorado. And then I got like really right as I was like in my early twenties, like mm. listening to fucking Ben Shapiro all the time. Like you start talking like him almost. And, like, now I'm, like, kind of more in the middle, like, with the red pill shit, right? I used to think, bro, all chicks are hoes. Like, what they all teach you, like, go be 30 and then have a chick. And now I'm like, bro, that's, that's not really probably the best thing to do, man. You, we can say women are different without saying they're, like, retarded or the way they act is all bad. Like, yeah, there's, I, more, there's more to it than I'd that. Like to, yeah. I'd like to talk to more women about it, but how do you feel about a man that sleeps around like that? Because, like, like, as a man, I wouldn't want to meet a woman who's been around the block. Like, it's just what it's like. I don't know what it's like for a woman to look at a man who's been around the block either. I, I feel like, like, for me personally, again, you know, I've been in a relationship up until about, you know, six months ago since I was 17. And, like... You know, I kind of, I did my fair share of like, I got with my fair share of girls, we'll say like in high school prior to oh, being so with my humble. girlfriend. <laughs> um, but like, it's um, for me personally, after getting into a relationship, I didn't understand it before, but after being in a relationship, like a long term like that, 
there's not really a purpose to the whole like sleeping around like you know racking up a huge body count as a guy like it honestly I feel like it just kind of takes away like your your experience with that person who you're supposed to be with long term and at the same time I feel like it gives you really bad like bad habits like you know bad habits in the sense of like if you're the kind of dude who you know like for me I had a girlfriend through college or through my college years but like I know a lot of guys who would you know basically they'd go you know hook up with a new girl twice a week like all the time so they rack up like you know a body count of like 60 70 over like a two three year period and then they don't know what to look for in terms of like an actual long-term partner because they've just cycled through so many girls without thinking about the long term that you know they don't even know what to look for they don't know what they like they don't know what they don't like necessarily and they're so used to just sleeping with people and sleeping with people and cycling through that they never actually end up settling down. Or when they do settle down, it's not with the right person. And maybe the right person was one of those like, you know, 60 yeah. prior girls, but they weren't looking, like they weren't thinking about it long term. So I guess that's kind of what I mean when I say bad habit. Um, and then if they do get into a long term relationship, like the ultimate goal there is to get married, have kids, like that whole, that whole deal. But they're so used to cycling through girls at such like a fast rate that like, you know, they're probably going to cheat. Like there's, there's a much higher rate of them fucking up that relationship by cheating because they're just used to being with so many girls and that's just kind of expected. Same for the women too, bro. Yeah, no, yeah, it is. It's same, same both ways. Totally. Yeah. I think it's just an issue where like the more, the more people you have sex with, the less value is placed on the sex itself. It becomes less special and more just something to do because it feels good. It's yeah. like you can you can make a human life doing this. This isn't, I think, something we should take as lightly as we do. No, I completely agree with you. And that's like I think you know, I guess like condoms, like they're a good idea, but like they were literally invented like the original purpose was, you know, so you don't get STDs out like sleep or get you know somebody pregnant get stds while you're out sleeping with like a ton of like different people because you don't know who they are like the whole concept of that just seems kind of like backwards to me like shouldn't you like genuinely know somebody and like trust them to the point where like you know yeah like i know this person i know they're not going to have an std like this is the kind of person who i would be interested in potentially having a kid with like i feel like those are some of the i know i was talking about like condoms but like it just seems so. Yeah. It seems so backwards nowadays. Yeah. In my People opinion, are at least. Up, yeah. I went, yeah. So I went through the, the divorce, and right after, that's what I was doing, having a good time. And it, like every time, it was just a, a devil in my ear. Like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? This chick could have anything. I could be. I could end up having a kid with this chick. Like, what am I doing here? What's my problem, bro? Like, like get your shit together. Bro. You're yeah. This, this close to fucking up your life. Have a kid with any one of these. Yeah. Kids. You're this close. Or this fucking close. Or stop. Start looking for a real woman. That's it's, exactly. It's, it's like if she has a herpes flare up that start and she don't tell you about it. Now you got yeah. fucking. Yeah. You know, it's fucked up. No, for sure. And especially in that whole like, you know, the college setting. Like, um, I've got buddies who live in, um, who live in, you know, c- cities all over California. Like. Most of the guys who I grew up with, like, I'm still friends with them today, but they all kind of stayed in California, like, around where we grew up. Um, and, like, I'll go visit them every once in a while. 
and just the like quality of girls that you run into it's just the bar is so low and it's yeah dude. really I'm, i don't know man it's no just, you're right it's like different. whenever i whenever i go out with my wife i'm like bro like these chicks out here it's like the way that they talk and how they act like uh it's like i could never imagine like my wife speaking to me the way that some of these chicks talk yeah absolutely like it's kind of it's kind of crazy and that's like the same you know it was in a long-term relationship and then kind of getting out of that like you know going and hanging out with my buddies whatever it's like holy shit dude like am i am i gonna be able to like find anybody who's at all like you know interesting like actually has interesting shit to talk about or isn't like just this super low quality like you know throwing away their health trash and all this different shit like like am i ever gonna find somebody that's like that in a setting like this like i mean chances are almost zero like i think yeah there's a problem very very low yeah like women don't know what men want in like a long-term relationship it's like what if you asked a woman what she thinks men want for a long-term partner it's like probably you know that that you're hot i guess (laughs) it's like we're not looking for that we're we're trying to see if you'd be a good mother that's what men are looking for genuinely like that's um man i would say that's definitely the most like for me personally and i'm sure for a lot of other guys out there like that's the most important thing when you're looking for like a long-term relationship it's somebody who's willing to actually like be in that role like for me like i don't need to i don't need to be with somebody who you know goes and works like that's just not i don't need that i don't want that and so for me it's like i want this person to be able to stay home and like look after our kids and you know genuinely like create the home like create a family and if that's not present in a girl like that's just not somebody who i am really at all interested in because like I was saying, those short-term relationships are just not, like, there's just no purpose. It's just, like, it, it's just kind of a waste of time, like a waste of your, like, your energy. Can I ask you a, a hypothetical then? Like, yeah, if you were dating a chick and then, like, we're thinking about getting serious, but, like, y'all were getting into it because she didn't necessarily want the daughter to be a stay-at-home, you know, mom. Like, she wanted the kid to be, like, a doctor or, like, a lawyer or something. And that was kind of like a point of contention. Like, how would you kind of handle that? I mean, honestly, the I think about it kind of like this might sound really like fucking like emotionally Senate. removed, but like I think about it in terms of like a sales call almost, or like in the terms of sales. So like if I can sense like one of one of like the keys to that is kind of like handling any objections before they even come up. That's in the sales, like sales speak. So in that case, like I would really try to like vet this person and make sure that an event like that coming up down the line is never really going to happen. And, you know, genuinely, like if I find a, if I find a girl who I, you know, really like, I want to settle down and like, you know, have a family with, um, that woman is going to be okay with like, being a stay-at-home mom and taking care of her kids. So I don't necessarily think that kind of person is going to go want their daughter to, you know, go off and be a doctor, go off and do whatever it is. But I guess if the situation arises, like, I don't think, like, I'm not, there's certain, there's certain guys out there who are very, like, like, super, you know, red pill, like, old school, like, Women shouldn't even go to school, like oh, any of that stuff. She's got to be a virgin, yeah. 
Yeah, like I think I think all that's like bullshit. Like I think that women, like when I'm looking for somebody who I want to be with, I want that person to be intelligent. Like I don't want them to be some, you know, dumb as a rock girl. Like I want them to be smart so they can pass those traits onto our kids and like, you know, genuinely have like conversations about stuff that are interesting, not just like, you know, oh yeah, the the sky is blue, like, oh yeah, look at this flower's red or whatever it is. So that's one thing I look for is like intelligence, but I feel like I'm getting off track on your, no, you're on your question. I'll bring it back. So like, I think it's kind of a, an issue with men and women where like you got the hardcore red pill guys on this one side and then you've got like the hardcore feminist people on this side, right? It's like the reality is your kid's probably not going to want to be a doctor or a lawyer from the time they're five years old. Yeah. And likewise, they're not going to be a, a virgin till they're fucking 23. Right, right. It's like there's such such like a compromise, like a middle ground, I think, that a lot of people just don't even think of. Like my wife went to college and is a nurse now, but like when we have enough money, we're going to have kids and she's not going to work anymore. It's like I don't see why that's such an issue. Or, you know, if the daughter does not decide to go to school and marry a little bit of an older guy, like it's a good compromise, I think. And I think that's where people get like this all or nothing mentality. And that's where people get like kind of skittish about it. It's like like submissive. Like women get turned off by the thought of being submissive to a man, right? Because they they yeah, because they think that submissive is just doing whatever we say. It's like that's not it. It's like 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 they they think that like we're just making every decision in our head. It's like there's a lot of collaboration that still goes on, but like the final say is mine. But it, it involves both of us more than than the word makes them think of. And so I, I see what you mean. And I guess to answer the initial question, like for me personally, I'm like very much so in the kind of realm of thinking that like if I have a daughter, like I'll, I will take care of my daughter until the point where she's able to, you know, be in a relationship with a man who can take care of her. Um, that's just kind of how I feel about it. But like, my sons are kind of like, when, when I have them, they're going to be kind of like on their own. Like they need to kind of make their own way in the world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's just from my own personal experience. Like my father in that sense was very like, I have, uh, it's just me and I have a little brother too. So two boys. And he was always very like, you know, you guys can do kind of whatever you want, but you, you actually have to do it. You can't just kind of like sit back and wait for something to come to you. You have to go out and genuinely make like a mark on the world. The world isn't going to wait for you to make a mark on it. So I feel in that sense, like if I have sons, like that's the way I'm going to raise them under that same sort of mentality. Why is it so different? Why is it so different from son to woman? Why wouldn't you raise your woman the same way, your daughter? Well, it's just, you know, that's kind of a tough question. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a lot of like just how I, it's a lot of how I was raised. And like, I guess I've done a lot of, um, I've done a lot of research into like masculine and feminine roles in terms of just the world and like how that's kind of played out through history. And like the typical masculine role is like the provider. Like, you know, you provide for your family, you, you know, I guess that's, that's it. You provide for your family, you, you know, take care protect of, you protect them. your family Exactly. And the, the woman's role is to like nurture, to nurture the family, like to build the home um, and to, you know, raise kids. They and create so, things a lot, like with 
Like you give them raw ingredients, they'll make a meal out of it. Exactly. Yeah. They're very, yeah, very creative, very um, intuitive. As where the male, like the masculine side, is much more logical on that side of the brain. So, you know, that's kind of how I, that's a lot of how I was, but that's, that's a lot of the values my dad had instilled in me. That's a lot of like just things that I've researched on my own personal time. And so that's really like when I overall, when I describe kind of who I'm looking for, the kind of woman that I'm looking for to be with long term, it's really just like a feminine woman, not like, you know, one of these like, feminine masculine hybrid like feminist people that's one of the most oh. confusing things about the feminism movement to me is that it's making women more masculine not more feminine and that to me just makes no sense like oh, i feel like dude. like i, I told, should sorry yeah no i'm sorry I, I told my wife that like a woman saying she makes a lot of money is like a man saying that he's good at makeup it's like <laughs> yeah. okay ew you know yeah no exactly and that's one of the most confusing aspects of the feminist movement to me is like, I would think that feminism would be leaning more into the feminine aspects of women, but it's not. It's the exact opposite. It's making women more masculine and therefore making men more feminine. So we end up with just, just like blend of people. And then there's no like defined roles in any sort of a relationship or in society in general and that's how you end up with all the, you know, transgender, like all the gender confusion stuff, like all that, which is just, you know, this shit wasn't happening like 40 years ago, 30, 40 five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah, no, shit, even like 10, yeah, five, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, you wipe the slate clean of gender roles because gender roles are bad in a social, what is it, a social construct. And then you end up with, you got to create new gender roles, but when most of the country doesn't follow any type of religion or anything, any type of like moral grounding. No one knows how to make up these new roles. So we're not being, exactly we're not following anything. You know, we're not, we're not getting our answers from anywhere. We're just making them up right now. Cause we have shit so easy now. It's like, if you have a country that's at war and that's starving, doesn't have power, you're not going to have these Zers walking around complaining. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> My mom's a feminist until there's something heavy to pick up or it's time to go on the roof. And then it's like, you're the man. It's, I think it's okay to recognize that men and women are different and to say, okay, if I have a son and a daughter, we're going to raise them differently. Not better or worse. Like, I was raised differently from my sister. Like, I, I just don't see an issue with that, like, them being different and then you can kind of work with their natural inclinations, so to speak. Totally agree with you. And that's, I think that sums up what I was trying to say very well is that it's not better or worse. It's just differently. And like, you can't treat, you know, there's like biological differences, like, you know, like hormones, all that, all that kind of shit. Like it literally changes how you view the world. It changes, like, for example, how your body forms when you grow up, like that might sound fucking dumb, but like, it literally changes how your brain's wired, how you view the world. And so you can't just treat those two completely different beings as if they're the same as if they're going to understand things the same as if they're going to have like the same you know roles in the world it's just not like that's just not reality i was telling my wife like yeah you got a fe like a very female brain like a very feminine brain and uh she, like i have a very masculine brain but she didn't like know what i meant by it so like i'm thinking i'm saying uh next time you do something real feminine like that i'm gonna call you out on and like the <laughs> other day she was getting out of her car when she got home and like she opened the door and i did this like flop like she hit me and she goes, oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, imagine Trevor, like, say, oh, my God. 
move. Or like, like we, we were, uh, <laughs> we were going to bed, and she's like doing this filter on Snapchat, like. And, I, and I'm looking up a video of Danny Trejo talking about how he stabbed a guy in prison. <laughs> like, I said, for, for, imagine I'm over here like messing with the filter on Snapchat like it's something to do. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, exactly. They're, they're different, and that's okay. Yeah, it is. It's not a bad thing. And one of my biggest points is, and, and especially like the feminism, it's, oh, it's a huge patriarchy. Men are taking advantage. If that is the case, why would you not want to send the man out to go work if, if if society is tailored towards men use that to your advantage you're already you're halfway there you're smart enough to recognize this be smart enough to use it to your advantage or and sign now. up for the draft and go to war you know like put your money where your mouth is yeah i will say though like real quick for like the men who uh are one to get kind of red pilled but don't want to get like that red pilled i think a good place to start is uh like learning how the female brain works like with decision making, like men are logical, women are emotional. Like it took me years to figure out, like when a woman's complaining about something, she doesn't want a solution. Yeah. No. Like <laughs> men are the exact opposite. But like if I went to Trevor and I was like, "Yeah, I'm having problems with my wife," and he's like, "Yeah, Kevin, that does suck. You are, you are right to be mad. You don't sound crazy at all." They're like, "What the fuck? That don't help me <laughs> Dude, at all, bro." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like bro, for I'm real, looking to solve my problem, not just like <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just coming to you to talk some shit. Like, I'm not here to just gossip and say some dumb shit. We are solving problems, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm I'm struggling with it, so I came to you because I don't know how to deal with it. Like, I'm not coming to you in, in any other way than to tell you I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I dealt with it right. Some shit like that. <laughs> I'm not asking for you to say, no, man, you're doing – keep up the good work, Trev. I hope you're going to be okay. Like, no, man. Well, what? Like <laughs> – like yesterday, you imagine if I was like, "Oh yeah, that does, that's really horrible." I'm sorry, I have to put up with that. Yeah. Like, what? okay, and like, what do you even say to that? You don't. You don't. Like, you don't. And Kevin taught me that actually. Kevin taught me that that woman didn't want a solution. And then when I brought it up to my girlfriend, she's like, "Yeah, I don't. I'm not looking for that shit. I just want to tell you about my day." Like, well, like I realized that I'm like, this is such a fucking good piece of info. Like, I got to share this, dude. Like, it's like a life hack. Like, when you get in trouble at work, just saying, oh, yeah, I fucked that up. And then it just diffuses everything. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, one of those one of those key key things to learn through life. Yeah, it's like I found a cheat code. It's like, oh, I got to share this with Trev, man. Cause that's a big thing, man. Like, the people need to know. For real. Like, I would they fucking, do. like, my wife would tell me about her work and how bad it was. And I was like, why don't you move departments or find a new job or something? And she'd just get, like, mad. And I'm like... Why are you I'm like? Why are you complaining about a problem and then get upset when I try and fix it? Yeah, I'm trying to help. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's then not I, what I they learned, want. No, I learned how their brain works, and I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Like, it's not a a bad or a good thing. Like, you can't really get mad about it, but it's just different when you embrace the difference. Then I think it can really work. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, right. You got any any one one key that you learned from your little your, not little your six year relationship? Got any huge key? Shit, man. I would just honestly like it would go along the lines of what Kevin was saying. Like you hit the nail on the head with that. Like you need to understand the difference between like the masculine and feminine. And like if you really want a successful relationship, you need to understand how those dynamics work. Um, because I I found in that relationship at least like the areas that didn't 
work were areas where like, for example, she wasn't fulfilling, I guess the typical like feminine aspect of the relationship. And for me, the areas that didn't work of that was like constantly trying to solve her problems, like constantly, you know, coming, she'd come to me with an issue. I would just give solution after solution after solution. And like, that's not, it's not at all what she wanted. That's not what she was looking for. Um, I, and I thought, you know, for mine, I'm like, look, I, I just gave you all of these, you know, five great solutions to your problem. Like, why are you, why are you upset? Why don't you just go like do this shit? And it's because <laughs> it's because she wasn't like, she's not a guy. Like she's not a mat. She's not a man. Like, and so again, like talking to you guys, if you came to me with a problem and I gave you five solutions with like, here's how you go and execute on this, like one, two, three, four, like you'd be like, well, shit, like, thanks. I'm going to go out and do this like right now. Yeah. But talking to her, she'd just get frustrated. And so understanding the, you know, how the feminine brain works, like Kevin was saying, and understanding how your own masculine brain works is the only way to really have like a successful relationship. That would be my kind of like, if I had one takeaway, that would be my, my takeaway. Shit, I got a key on that note, dude. Is like if you're in a relationship or even not, and you're struggling to find like feminine women or bring out the femininity, whatever, in your own woman. We, us men, have to take that first step, right? If you're a woman, you're not going to submit to a guy that's a bitch. So, yeah. like, it, it takes a lot of internal work to say, okay, how can I bring out my own masculinity? Be it going to the gym, being more assertive, making decisions. Like, you have to make decisions more, dudes. Like, like, when my wife asks what I want for her, if I ask her what she wants for dinner, oh, nothing. I'll fucking pick a place. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, she'll either like it or she won't. It's like, I'll have to make that decision. And that's where I think she's comfortable kind of exposing or bringing out her more vulnerable feminine side because she knows that I'm strong. And, and like teasing too, bro. Like, man, you got to tease your women out there. Uh, not like in a bad way, but like, like if, 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 like if she says, uh, is this chick hotter than me or is this chick hot? You know what I tell her? I said, she's cute. I said, you're cute when you're jealous. Some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, avoid the question. <laughs> yeah, like avoid it, bro. Throw it right back at her, bro. Uno reverse <laughs> <laughs> Uno reverse card. I love yeah, that. yeah, but but we have to take that first step in uh, being masculine, and then they'll kind of naturally be more feminine. So, exactly, that's a great way to put it. And I think key to what you're saying too is like you can't go too far. Like you can't just be, you know, a fucking like tyrant, dictator, like asshole. Yeah, no, oh. you, you have to like you have to find that middle ground of like you know you genuine like you love this person, so like. You don't want to treat them like shit. You don't want to be an asshole. But like at the same time, you do need to be assertive and you need to be like the man in the relationship, as they say. You need to like wear the pants in the relationship, I guess. Yeah, it helps keeps it spicy too. Like in a long-term yeah. relationship, like especially with like us, like women like dangerous looking men. Like I think like that's where you don't take it too far. It's like you got to look like a criminal, but not necessarily be like a murderer. Jordan Peterson shit, bro. Control your monster. Like yeah, like, like I like of course you're not gonna want me pissed off yelling at like the refrigerator because I dropped the ice under it or some shit. Like, <laughs> but, but in some shit where there's some dude walking up to you about to talk shit with a gun in his hand and I walk in front of you with my gun in my hand, you'd be like, Wow, I'm glad Trevor's pretty aggressive. <laughs> yeah. If he wasn't, yeah. I'd fucked. It's it's like, yeah, well my dog would cross the fence and I'd fucking beat the shit out of him. If I only did that once and I was done, like my wife would probably like it a little bit somewhere. But, like, that's when I take it too far as I do it more. And it's like, okay, now I'm just afraid of you. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yes, yeah. so you have to find. You just have to strike the balance between like you know being masculine, and then there's going like full on like fucking dictator mode, which I think it, you know that's that's just too far. And that, like you said, Kevin, it leads to like you know the woman, like your girlfriend, whatever it is, being like afraid of you, which is never never a good combination. Yeah, and like yeah, that's where you have to kind of know how the female mind works because they'll say like, oh, I want a nice guy who's gonna like listen to me and I'm in tune with his feelings and all this shit. But then they'll go fuck the dude that's like just got out of prison and calls him like cum slut and shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, that's the middle ground, bro. Looking like you do that, but not actually. No, seriously, and that's like, I mean, it's it's so easy to like, it's so easy to like get to like attract you know modern day females. We'll say just by being totally like emotionally removed, like. If you're just, like, I remember this, like, because I remember, dude, when I was in high school, like, it was, it was almost, like, too easy. Like, I didn't even have to, like, do shit, but there, I I attracted, like, female interest. And, like, I was just so removed emotionally. Like, I had never even knew, like, what emotions were at all. And so, like, somebody would say something to me and my reaction would be, like, why the fuck, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And for whatever reason those people would always like me and I never understood it. Like it just never made sense to me, but like, I guess kind of learning more about this stuff, it does, it makes sense down the line once you kind of figure out the the role. Yeah. My older brother was the cool popular kid in school, but he wasn't like the happy running around talking to everybody popular kid. He was like the quiet, cool, funny, just, just dude hanging out in school and everybody liked it because he was just a mellow dude. Not too crazy, no, not too many emotions, not, nothing too crazy to deal with. Just a nice, good dude that keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> like, nothing Laid back, good. predictable. That's yeah, good stuff. Just, just <laughs> fucking um, chill, and everybody liked it. My crazy ass running around the high school, fucking <laughs> with my clown shoes on, sharpied my shoes at one point. Now, like a few months ago, we were me and my wife were smoking on our back porch, and she's like, "If you had to hit on me, how would you do it?" And I fucking go up to him like, what's your name, girlfriend? And like, she told me her name and she asked for mine. I'm like, that's how I know if you like me if you ask for my name. So then she's like, do it again. And I go, what's your name, girlfriend? She goes, Floor, why? And then I said, on to the next. And I fucking do this fucking walk away. And she's like, then I'd have to follow you. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, exactly. <laughs> I said, on to the next, right to your face. And you were like, oh, I got to follow you. Like, wh- what, dude? But you got to know how they are like that. Women hate needy men. You double text her once, bro. Forget about it. See ya. Peace out. (laughs) Forget about it, bro. You gotta learn that lesson sometimes the hard way, though. Yeah. What do you mean? The double texting shit. Like. Did you learn it the hard? Oh yeah, bro. But like the, you could either grow up being like that big strong man, just had 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 someone raise you as the big strong man. Or you could end up being like the dude who is self-conscious about himself and all that shit. And the the way for the self-conscious dude to find out how this cool, strong man is doing things is to fuck up. (laughs) And and double text and then find out, wait, this dude's probably not double texting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't see, though, all the chicks that he did do that with. They're all like the ugly ones to get to where he's at now. That's a very good point. Like every every guy goes goes through their like goes through their learning periods. Like it's kind of it's like inevitable as just part of like part of life, which I think is like I think that's good. Like everybody should go through it, I guess, at some point. Um, 
but yeah, you know, you've got to go through it to kind of come out the other side and know what's, you know, know what's right for you. Yeah, no, that is a place though. Men take it too far with the red pill shit again. Like they'll not text a chick back for like a week. And then, you know, they're like, Oh, it's supposed to work. I read it on Twitter. And it's like, bro, she's been with another guy since then. She <laughs> don't fucking know. Who yeah, she doesn't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. Like, Texting, yeah, especially texting. That shit's fucking like. If I was single, bro, I would just text to like meet up. Like, yeah, men have the advantage in person, but like women do, I think, over texting. Oh yeah, yeah it's like I, agree with that. I feel like the only way to really do it, like the only way to really do it, is just to like call and like talk on the phone. Like, if someone's genuinely interested in, interested in you, like they'll answer the phone and they'll talk to you to like you know go make plans or whatever it is. But like. I have found that that's kind of the best way to gauge interest in terms of like, and I guess even to, I guess, draw more interest is just like talk on the phone. Like you don't need to be texting back and forth yeah, all day. Bro. That's what actually fucking like just killed me in the dating game is everybody was on Snapchat. Like, yeah, you want to meet up? Yeah, here's my Snapchat. What the fuck? I don't want your Snapchat. <laughs> I'm asking for your phone number. Such a fuck you too. Like I know Here's you my... have a phone number because you're saying you got a Snapchat. Like, don't fuck with me. You want to do Snapchat? See, you find another dude Snapchat. No, uh, and you know, like they're looking for reasons to fucking disqualify you when they're snapping your text. Yeah, bro. Say one, say one wrong thing, bro. Just waiting for that wrong post on the story. That's why the key. You just can't. You just can't have those apps. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have Snapchat. Like. I guess I have an Instagram account, but like I don't like I don't use it. I don't have the app on my phone. So like not having those kind of easy access like apps, they actually have to like get to know who you are as a person. They can't just do the typical like, you know, scroll through your Instagram account and go, oh, yeah, this isn't like, you know, this isn't the kind of guy I want to be with, like disqualify, whatever it is. Like if you kind of remove those channels then they actually just have to get to know you as a person and that's like the best way to i mean that's the best way to kind of have or start off a relationship is to actually know the person who you're getting into any sort of a relationship with like the most most salesman answer ever just call her cold call her (laughs) (laughs) that is that's the way that's the way to do it yeah the cold call man actually cold calling that would be fucking weird because then like they're like, yo, who is this? You're like, oh yeah, I actually I uh, got your number. Um, I scraped, I you know, scraped it off the internet, like whatever. I scraped it from your OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> scraped it from your Instagram account. Like, you don't know who I am, but like, I know who you are. Like, you some let's let's meet up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I called OnlyFans and said I was your doctor, and they gave me your phone number. How you doing? <laughs> I told him I was a you know a lawyer, so they gave me all of your information. Uh, but yeah, you don't actually know me whatsoever. But no, I. Once you have somebody's phone number, the best way to do it is keep texting to a minimum and just talk on the phone. Or I've, I've found that that's the best way for me. Yeah, and to like go to, like if you want a specific type of girl, like a trad girl or something, like you got to go to places where they are. Yeah. Like you're not going to find a chick that's like that on fucking Tinder or like in the bar. Go to a church or a library. Yeah, the farmer's market. That's the absolute oh. best place to meet girls. Is Major the key market. right there. Bro. Major key right there. Like high quality... Like it's, it's almost, I think of it like in a percentages kind of like, yeah, I guess in percentages. So like if you go out to the club or the bar or anything like that, there's like less than a 1% chance you're going to meet somebody who's genuinely high quality. Someone who's like wants to, I guess, get into a relationship and like start a family, very low chance, like less than 1%. You go somewhere like, you know, church, 
for example, there's probably like a 40% chance, like much, much higher chance. Not everybody that's going to be going there is going to be a good fit. A lot of them are going to be in relationships. But like, you know, if you can maximize or like, if you're looking for a girlfriend, if you can go to places that have that like higher percentage of like, you know, high quality, like good people, then you're going to have a way better chance of finding somebody who's genuinely a good fit, someone who like fits what you are looking for in a, in a woman. So girl I yeah. guess that's, that's another key. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Girl magic. Major keys in this episode. Raw types. <laughs> yeah. Sure, so the yeah, sure. go ahead, the farmer's market, like you, you meet the most interesting, or I found you meet the most interesting people at the farmer's market. Just, and whether that's like people who are there shopping, people who are, like actual vendors at the farmer's market, like you just meet the absolute like shit at the um, farmer's market down in Southern California, like um, Orange County. Like there's all these like, you know, mid twenties, like women who they like have like a peanut butter, like an almond butter company and they go sell it at the farmer's market. And you're just like, damn, you are literally such like a wholesome, nice person. Like I would 100% you know date you i like just like cool interesting people who aren't only interested in like you know going out to the clubs and getting drunk might, and all that kind of shit yo <laughs> i seen a tiktok about these amish fucking people it's like the the video goes up to this amish chick not bad looking but it's like he asked her what like uh dtf means or something and she said like the f was for family like i don't even like but she gave like a real wholesome answer like do what your husband says, tend <laughs> to the kids and family first, some shit like that. I'm like, bro, okay, like that's the kind of chick a lot of guys would go for, but you're not gonna meet them on Tinder or some shit. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna meet them on the on the Amish farm, like churning butter and shit like that. Yeah, yeah slinging those, raw milk. Those the types. Of <laughs> yes, <laughs> slinging raw milk. <laughs> no, I, I did try to get that at a farmer's market I went to last summer. And it was like, you got to text this number and they'll send you the address. Like, I'm buying fucking meth, bro. Bro, it's like like a drug deal in states where it's illegal. Like, there was this dude on Twitter who got literally set, like, the FBI set him up to get arrested for, like, trafficking raw milk across the border of Virginia. Well, thank God. Dude, it's like, like, no, seriously, like, they had, like, a police blockade waiting for him, like, at the, like, crossing the border of Virginia, and he's got, like, 10 gallons of raw milk. And, like, they, they arrested him. It's like, the Pablo the Escobar of fucking milk. <laughs> seriously. Like, shit's just crazy. And that's how you know that they just, they don't want you to be healthy. Like, they want you to drink the poison. Like, they just, they, it's just, it's all bad. What's, uh, what's one of the biggest things you learned moving out, out to the woods on your own type deal? Bro, I moved out here, um, like the real purpose of coming out here was, um, my father passed away again, like a year ago, coming up the end of this month. And when that all happened, I was just like, and you know, we were, we were really close. Like I grew up and my dad was actually the one who, um, he retired and like stayed home and raised my brother and I. So we were all like super, super close. Like he would, um, you know, drive me to baseball practices. Like you would, um, I was like, funny story, but like when I was young, like 11, 12, like I was super, super fat. I was like five foot two, 
Not even like 210, 215 pounds, like a, like a really? bowling ball. Oh, yeah. How tall are you now, real quick? 5'10. Uh-huh. So I'm 5'10, 165. Hey, so, dang. <laughs> hey, just like Trevor, yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened there was I was like, you know, 11, 12, like five foot two, like fucking fat as hell, like 215 pounds. My dad basically, I was like, dad, like I want to get in shape. And he, he was like a college athlete, um, invited to like the Olympics for swimming, like very high level athlete. Um, and now he like literally a week before he had a stroke, he placed like fourth on like an international triathlon event for like his age group. So he was an insane athlete. Um, but yeah, when I was like 11 or 12, he was like, you know, Hey, like, you know, you want to like lose weight? Like, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Like, I don't want to be a fat kid, like going into high school, like as I'm starting to be interested in girls. And so he literally put me on like the classic, like, um, like carnivore diet. No, no, not even. He would literally every morning he would just make me like eggs, like three eggs and like some cheese or whatever, like an egg scramble. And then for dinner, he'd make me a steak. And I ate that every single day for well, I still eat that like every day now but like I ate that every single day for like eight months I dropped 60 pounds and I grew six inches so going into high school I like completely kind of changed my whole body and everything and like that experience of like having you know going through that like with my dad like being with him all the time was really like formative for me in those years and so you know up until like literally the day he had a stroke uh, we talked like twice three times a week like we were super close so when he passed it was a very big like just a huge piece of my life just you know gone like that and it's not like he had you know a long-term illness like he had a stroke and then he died two days later so it was Whoa. very like yeah hold on how old were you uh 22 so from when you first found out he had a stroke to when he passed like three or four days yeah no it was um my mom called me in the morning um i flew down to they they live in arizona so i flew from denver to arizona like you know an hour after she called me and then yeah it was two days so we were in the hospital for two days before um before he passed oh my god did like did they say what caused the stroke a blood clot so like ultimately i kind of i kind of track it back and i go okay this dude was like you know his um he was 60 he was 68 but his blood work and all of that stuff like dude was running triathlons like he would go out and run like eight miles a day bike you know 20 miles a day like in insane athletic condition um and so i kind of track it back and i'm like okay there's probably a very high chance that that blood clot and everything was caused by him getting the vaccine, which is like pretty like, like for me, it's kind of like, kind of, I might have to censor that word on YouTube. Oh shit. I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. that. Um, I shit. I'm, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, I kind of track it back and I'm like, okay, this dude was incredibly healthy. Like his blood work was that of like, uh, like 40 year old and he was almost 70. So, like super healthy guy there's no real reason he should have had a stroke especially caused by a blood clot like it just didn't make any sense oh wow yeah i don't i don't think you're allowed to attribute uh, a blood clot to that to be honest oh damn but, well <laughs> oh, damn. That, that was my bad i apologize oh, my but bad, CDC. <laughs> um but yeah so that 
that's kind of what happened. I heard he had a stroke, literally flew down two days later. He was like, he had passed, um, which was like, that whole deal was very, um, for me, like I've always kind of had a more positive outlook on life and on really any sort of event. Like I've had, a, I've had a lot of death in my life. Like all of my grandparents, uh, two of my aunt or my aunt and my uncle, um, have all passed and now my dad have all passed since I've been like nine years old. So in the past like 13 years, so just a lot of like death and just going through that experience multiple times, I was kind of like prepared for this. Obviously you can never be fully prepared, but like when it happened, um, my mom and my brother were like absolutely devastated. Like they were kind of out of commission for like, you know, a couple months after. So I had to kind of pick up the slack and like, you know, call my dad's family, call all of their friends, all of that stuff to kind of inform them. Yeah. Thank you. Like it was tell you right now, I'm extremely proud of you for doing that because not all men at your age would have done that. And that is, that is, I want to say that's one of one of Jordan Peterson's rules strive to be that man at your father's funeral. So I, I strive to be that man and I want to say uh, good shit, man, because that's, that's exactly what I, I would like to do in that situation. So, yeah, thank you. No, I, I appreciate it. Not the same at all, but like, I remember for us, we had to call someone's mom because he was in the mental hospital. And like, that was a tough ass phone call that like I barely made it through. Like, I couldn't imagine, you know, what you went through. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, unbelievable. Like, the army has like, they're called casualty notification officers. But like, when a soldier dies, they go to your house, family's house, and tell them. That the soldier died. Literally, like, like if, what is, is it saving Private Ryan? They, they, like the mom is washing the dishes, and you see the car coming down the road, and then they show up in their nice suit. Yeah, knock hey, on the door, bro. Knock on your door. Hey, sorry. Literally. Yeah, like, like I had been offered a chance to go to that school. My bro, I could never do that in the middle. Yeah, no way. Takes yeah, a strength it, I just don't have. I guess. It was. It was definitely. It was tough. I mean, like <laughs> to be honest, but. You know, it's kind of one of those, like, you either, in situations like that, I feel like you either kind of find that, like, I guess, inner strength, like, you find it within yourself, or you just don't. And, like, it was, you know, one of those things where, like, yeah, I want, like, I wanted to be sad, I wanted to be, you know, upset or whatever, like, I just lost my dad, like, my best friend, but, like, you kind of have to be there now, me being the oldest, like the oldest son, like I now have to be there and like look after my mom and my little brother. And like, they're, you know, completely like out of commission. Like they were emotional wrecks. So it's like, yeah, you know, someone's got to step up and kind of do this shit. And it happened to be me, which, you know, like I look back on it. I'm happy that I went through that. I'm happy that that happened at kind of a a young age. Um, But, you know, same thing, like, even at my dad's memorial service, like it was very, um, it's interesting because this is part of why I resonated so heavily with the irrational optimists because like everyone who like got up to speak at my dad's memorial was, they're all so sad. Like there was, you know, a couple hundred people there. Like he impacted a very, very large amount of people. Um, and so a lot of the people who got up there, like everybody was crying. Everybody was sad, upset, and like I was up talking and like probably looked weird to a lot of people out there, but yeah. like I was genuinely like telling stories and like laughing about stuff that like, you know, my dad and I had done together, like 
genuinely enjoying the memories that I had with him. And everybody else was, you know, super sad. They were all crying, like all these kind of sad things like, you know, oh, we're really going to miss him. And I was like, you know, shit, like I had 22 years with like the best father I could have ever asked for. Like, yeah, there's parts of me that are sad, but like I can, I can honestly look back and go, damn, like I was the only person who had that close of contact with him for, you know, my 22 years of my life. Like I feel nothing but like grateful Mm. at that point in time. Um, That's great. Yeah, it is. Like it's not productive to be upset about it because you can't change it. Like yeah. you, you kind of just like you picked being thankful that those memories happened at all yeah. rather than be upset that they're over. Exactly. Cause a lot of people never have the experiences that I had with my dad. Like, and you know, they could have their dad until they're, you know, they have their dad until they're in their fifties, sixties. But like for me, I had all those experiences by the time I was 22. So like, yeah, I, I felt nothing but grateful and just like, not happy, obviously not happy that he was gone, but like happy that I had all those memories with him. Um, if I didn't have the good memories with him, I'm sure it would have taken a little different, you know, tone in my head and like in my outlook on it. But that was kind of how I walked away from the whole situation. Yeah, I was going to ask, man, how weird it felt to be able to do that. Because, I mean, even now when I get in, I mean, I'm not trying to compare situations at all, but when I get no, into like a conversation with my girlfriend, I told this to Kevin, like, I feel, even years ago, my divorce, and my divorce when I came home and went into the house, and I was like, look, I'm done with you. I was completely emotionless. Yeah. And, and it felt weird. I'd never done that before. I'm normally full of emotion. You can ask anyone I've worked with until that point. I can vouch for that. Hell yeah. yeah. It's completely full of emotion, and in that time, uh, it was like, it was just gone. I'm here to do this. I'm sorry. That's it. How how weird did it feel to not? I don't want to say emotionless because I'm sure I'm sure you were filled with emotion, but to be that outlier like that to where it's like people are looking at you like how did you feel like people could have looked at you and been like how could he be so what is jovial about this all? No, they, they like absolutely because people asked me about it. Like I had a bunch of um, I had a bunch of friends come down because um, my dad was very like all of their, all of my friends growing up, like all of their dads worked all the time. They're traveling five days a week, whatever it was. So my dad kind of took on like almost a like father figure role in a lot of my friends' lives. So like they all came down for his memorial service, like six, seven of them. And like, I remember talking with them and they were more like sad or like emotional about it than I was. And they were like, dude, what? Like, I remember one of them, like known him since I was like, five years old like dude like what the fuck is wrong with you like are you are you like okay and i'm like yeah honestly like i'm i'm good like i i can i won't be like i probably like i'm sure you know a couple months pass like i'm sure that sadness will kind of kick in and i'll feel upset and i'll feel the emotions of it but like right now like i'm good like i can genuinely look at this you know my 22 year relationship with my dad and be happy about it but a lot of people did look at me like, you know, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, how is he, how is he acting the way that he is given the circumstances? And, That's so shitty, too, because, like, in my head, you would only be acting like that if you didn't process it totally. Yeah. No, but and that, I would... 
it's not like a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, and I, I would say that was part of it too, is that it took me just longer to process kind of the like fact of him being gone from my life. But, um, you know, in the moment, like, like shit, one of the, like, one of the absolute toughest things that I've ever experienced in my life was seeing my dad's, like, parents of my friends who, like, looked up to my dad. Like, my best friend growing up, his dad and my dad were close friends. Uh, but there was a big age difference, and, you know, my friend's dad looked up to my dad in a lot of ways. So, like, being at my dad's memorial service and having my friend's dad, like, come up to me, like, crying and, like, give me a hug and stuff and, like, man, I don't know how you're, like, able to get through this, like, like you know, whatever. I have a lot of, like, respect for you, like, as a man, like, all this stuff. It's just, that was a really kind of, like, weird it was like it was like a six hour like situation, the memorial service. Yeah. But man, that was just the weirdest experience of my life. I felt like I was the only person at this event that felt the way that I felt. And everybody else was kind of in like this boat together of being like really sad and upset that they lost this great person. And I'm kind of like off on my own little boat, like, you know, yeah, like I had 22 great years like you know not like super not feeling super sad at the time so it was definitely it was isolating like it was definitely very very isolating um but that's like you know i learned so much from that experience and just going through it so i wouldn't i wouldn't go back and change it um like obviously i'd still love to have my dad around but like the um i don't know it's it's kind of a tough it's kind of a complicated situation to I talk on because it, it's, <laughs> well, cause it is, it's, it's very emotional, but at the same time, like the way that I kind of went about it and handled it was, I guess, less like more removed than it was like super emotional. So yeah. I guess if that, that gives you some, some sort of an idea. <laughs> no, no, man, that's a great answer. Did it, you're talking about when it hit you, you're like, it might hit me in a couple months down the line. Did it ever hit you? Do you remember when it did and why it did? Yeah, it, so it hit me, um, I was, at the time I was living in Denver, I was, you know, I had a sales job, I was running my, um, I was actually investing for uh, people in crypto, so I had two businesses going on, I was doing speaking events for, um, I had this deal going on with a couple like uh, real estate brokerages where I would go in and speak to their real estate agents about crypto and like how crypto was going to change the uh, real estate space in the next like couple years. So like I had a lot on my plate at that point in time. And um, I kind of just kept going with all of it. And that didn't really give me the base to really feel or understand like the loss that had just occurred in my life. And then um and, you know, going into the fall, I moved, or my girlfriend and I moved from Denver to Orlando, and everything was, like, you know, significantly less, there was just a lot less of, like, a financial, or I felt a lot less of a financial, um, we'll call it, like, expectancy out of myself, because um, we were living in Denver, like, in a, you know, living in the city, like a nice apartment, driving nice car, like it was relatively expensive. And I kind of had to keep up with I had to keep up with that to a certain level. And like, I have, you know, expectations of like, okay, yeah, I have living expenses, which obviously need to be covered, but then I want to be putting away 
X amount. So, you know, it equates to a decently high amount living in a city like Denver. Um, and then we moved to Orlando. Everything got significantly cheaper. I realized I was like, holy shit, I'm literally going to get like 15% of my income back in taxes. Like, that's crazy. Um, so I kind of like slowed down. Obviously, crypto went through the whole uh, the bear, bear cycle. So that, that stuff all kind of slowed down. And then I was just focusing on sales and my, uh, my agency. And like at that point in time, when everything slowed down, like moving into a new place was when it really hit me because I went through all of, like my dad had always seen the places that I was living. Like even in Denver, like he was always, you know, he'd fly out like, um, cause he was doing his triathlon stuff. So like Denver we're at, you know, altitude. So he'd be like, Oh hell yeah. Like, I'm going to come visit you. I'm going to go ride my bike, like train, whatever. So he'd come visit and see the different places that I was living and like, you know, help me get settled and whatever. But then going to Florida, he wasn't there. Like it was just, it was just me and my girlfriend. And so when we moved into that place, I was like, well, shit. Like, I'm like, I'm kind of like on my own now. Like this is really, really weird. And then scaling back on certain like things I was doing for work kind of just revealed that like in the past I would have taken that time I had and talked with my dad and like just spent the time interacting with him, hearing what's going on with his life. Oh, yeah. But I could like, like literally I, I can, I can literally think of the moment that it happened was we moved into our place. Um, I literally just got in from Denver on a flight to Orlando, um, like got in the Uber like to go back to, or to go over to my apartment. And I called my dad, like just didn't, didn't even think about it. Like just instinct called my dad. It went to voicemail and I was like, Oh shit. Like, I, like I literally can't like, that's literally never going to be able to happen again. And that was when it really hit me about like four months after he had passed. And that was, man, that was, that was rough. Like that was very, very, that was very difficult. And then, you know, kind of went through it a little bit in Florida, like had my tough time. Um, and then like, there was just, there was just so much shit going on at the time. Like my girlfriend and I broke up, um, was kind of, I, it just, it, it was just getting to a point where like we were, we got together so young at 17 and like I had, I was always, I was always doing shit. Like, you know, I started businesses, like I started in kind of the entrepreneurial space at 19. And so at this point, you know, being 23, like I was far down like my own path of kind of, I kind of had my path figured out in life and she didn't have her path figured out in her life. And so there was a lot of, pieces of our relationship that ended up getting like I guess left behind because like I was you know again on this path like I had my business I had multiple things that I was doing at any given time and she didn't she had like nothing that was going on um she started to feel like kind of useless in in my life and in the relationship Um, and there was, there was a lot of things that built up to this over time. Like she, uh, at one point got extremely sick. Like she couldn't keep food down. Like it was, it was really bad and no doctors could like tell her what was going on. Like 
there was no answer to the problem, but like she was, you know, in bed for like 12 hours a day for like eight months. And so during that time, I kind of took over like managing everything. Like I would make her, you know, three meals a day. I was working, I was taking care of our dog, like taking care of the apartment, kind of keeping everything in order. And she was just like recovering from being sick. And so when she wasn't sick, once she started to feel better and recover, like I just continued to do those things. I continued to kind of make all of the, you know, make all of my own meals. Like enabler. Like, in like a sense, enabler. yeah. Yeah, like I was trying to give her the space to like recover from whatever was going on, like her illness. Um, but in reality, what it did was I ended up taking over the entirety of our relationship and there ended up being no room for her to kind of like I guess step in and really do anything on her own I guess like before she got sick you know I would work and she used to make all of my meals and stuff like that like there was a balance to the relationship she got sick was out of commission I just kind of stepped in and started doing all of that stuff and then it never went away and she started to feel useless and like there was no point in being in the relationship together. So we just kind of decided it was time to like go, go our separate ways and like for me to kind of go continue down my path and for her to go figure out, I guess, something for herself. But that was what yeah. she wanted. Um, it wasn't like, job. yeah, no, I know. It's kind of funny, kind of funny that way. But um, yeah, that was like, that was what she wanted. Like she was the one who I guess instigated like us breaking up um but yeah you know i'm honestly at this point like it was for the better like in the long run like did she have like a drive to do something she had um yes but it was based in like insecurity like she was raised very um like, basically, she was raised in a very, like, I guess we'll call it an unhealthy household. Like, um, without going into too much detail, like, you know, parents had a pretty nasty divorce. Like, at different points in her life, she hasn't been, like, speaking to either of her parents because of, like, how they treat her. Like, it's just a whole, like, a whole mess of a family situation. And so she was always told growing up, like, like you're not going to be shit. Like, you're not going to be able to do anything you're not going to be able to you know produce anything for yourself you're not going to be able to make any money like you're just basically going to be like a stay-at-home like house bitch basically and so when she was with me and she kind of became that a little bit not like a house bitch but like she she wasn't working (laughs) that's that's not how i would describe it but like she wasn't working she was staying at home she was just kind of like and then she was sick so she was literally not doing anything she started to feel like, holy shit, like my dad was right. And so wanting to go against that, wanting to prove her dad wrong, she wanted to go do something for herself. It, it's um, kind of a, kind of a well, long no, answer. I'm asking because like, I know with my wife, when she moved out here um, to Tennessee, like she didn't even have a driver's license. Like she was like raised by a single mom with um, four kids, including her, like, and they, they would tell her, like, the counselors at her high school, like, you're probably not cut out for college. And, like, that was discouraging to her, and she didn't have, like, a lot of... But I had, like, so much belief in her, because I knew she could. And, like, I, I got her one small victory. Like, I got her to be able to drive. 
And then it's like, okay, yeah, well, what else can you do now? And then she started going to college and getting her. And it's like, I think that was in her the whole time, but she just didn't have someone that was like encouraging and that actually believed in her. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. You just, like, Kev saw it in me that I could be like a own some shit and be my own boss and shit. And he was like, yo, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I was about to go oh, into yeah. the world of working again, nine to five bullshit, and kind of like, dude, fucking look at what you got in front of you. Like, hello. You find those people. Because yes. yeah. you're all growing up, like, it wasn't like you couldn't do it, but it wasn't you should do it. Yeah. So, and that's that's a huge difference. Like, saying I can do it and saying I should do it are completely different. And if I was told, like, my dad told me at thirteen, why don't you figure out a way to make money? you would have said like you should i think you probably did but you should be making money you could be and you should be i know you can make start making some money online man like i know you can do this shit that that just goes such a long way because a lot of people don't hear it growing up yeah well like that's what we're texting about yesterday trev like you had that one guy or the dude that uh made a rational optimist and like you know that he does it better than you do, and you don't, like, you're okay with that, right? Yeah, like, Jake, I could tell, like, I love what Jake stands for. I wish his Discord was mine. It's not, but I know, I know that Jake is standing for, like, literally like a fucking political leader. I know he's standing for what I stand for. I'm going to be a part of his community and we could grow together. Like, I don't have to go and make my own community anymore. Jake did that part for me. Thank you, Jake. Like, Shout no bullshit. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to do that. And notice, like, yesterday I got off the, I got off our podcast and I was like, shit, man. Like, it sucks that I didn't make the Discord, but at least someone did. Like, I don't have to be the one making it. It's probably a lot on this dude's plate. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be lucky that I'm <laughs> part of it, you know? Like, I'm glad. Like that's. That's how I feel with you, though. Like, I know that if anyone can make something work, it's you. Like, if you believe in something, you're going to find a way to make it work. And even if it doesn't, it won't be from a lack of trying. So, I, in my head, I'm okay with recognizing that you're better at doing a lot of shit than me. And that together, if I helped you, we could go way higher than that. Yeah, dude. It's it, like, was, it was like, um, shoot, when we got our first client, my girlfriend asked, like, how much does Kevin get? Like, what are you talking about? How much Kevin get? 50-50. Yeah, but how much yeah. did he did he help you with like how much work did he do on the website? I said, Marissa, I wouldn't have made this website, period, ever, if Kevin didn't be if he wasn't there with me when I needed him the most. Like, yeah, sure, I don't need someone to like hold my hand making a website. But I know when I come to Kevin later when the website's made, Kevin's gonna give me honest feedback. Kevin's gonna give me exactly what I need to keep going. Kevin knows that I could do this with his help. Kevin knows his role. I know my role. There's nothing wrong with this. Like, give, yeah, I'm doing a little more work. But is it really more work if Kevin's over there thinking about, like, the role situation? I don't think about that. I'm thinking about websites. Like, I'm think, I'm, I got to make this website. Kevin can think about all the other shit. Come to me and talk to me about it. Like, it saves me a lot of time. I wouldn't realize a lot of, the, all, a lot of this life shit that I've learned, I wouldn't realize without Kevin. And that's just the way life works. Give, the give and take. Yeah, I mean, bro. Yes. I, like, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. That's all you, bro. Sorry. No, like I, uh, 
I agree with, I completely agree with that. And like, especially like business, we touched on earlier with relationships is like, you have to kind of understand like where your strengths and your weaknesses are in order to like work well with somebody else and to find a person that you work well with. But in terms of business, like I have uh, with my current agency, like I have a business partner and I basically head up like the sales and, um, you know, like sales onboarding, kind of like the client, um, like face to face with the clients. And he's very like back end, like he runs ads for us. Um, he kind of comes up with like basically the offer that I'm running right now is Facebook ads. And um, basically we build out like a CRM, load the leads that we get into the Are CRM and then ho- go high level. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to talk a little more after, about that. Off the yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to try to give out all the keys. That's what we're doing. That's what school of solace is, is being, bringing people oh, like, that's- like, like the people in IO but tailored more towards go high level. And we're trying to get that to like, like we went to a career fair and that's like, it's going to be a niche discord, you know, like the two that's awesome. Yeah, bro. We're going to have to talk about this. We'll, chop, we'll yeah. chop it up after. Yeah. That sounds good. But yeah, so basically like he kind of came, like at first I was, um, I've done, I've ran multiple agencies. Like this would be, this will be my second or this is my second one. Um, the first one that I ran was like, just, I did like Facebook ads for, um, auto mechanic shops in Southern California. And like, it ended up going pretty well. Like, you know, it worked out, but like, I just absolutely hated running Facebook ads. Like I, I despised it, but that was like literally my job. So I kind of, I found a business partner. I was like, dude, like, let's do this. I know sales. Like I've worked with high, like, you know, sold for B2B, like e-commerce agencies and stuff like that. So I kind of know what the sales process is supposed to look like. I know how to get clients. I know how to keep clients like, and you know, speak with them. And this guy was like, that's good. Cause you know, I'm shy. Like I fucking hate sales. I don't like talking to clients. I don't like any of that, but I absolutely kill it when it comes to running ads, building out these CRMs and, you know, basically the whole back end of the business. So we partnered up 50, 50 split. Realistically, I'm spending like, you know, call it like I'm taking like five calls per day. So like a good amount of work, like five hours a day of calls. He does Facebook ads for like shit, like an hour and a half. Like, (laughs) like he spends, he spends like a fraction of the time that I do, but the value that he brings to the business is where I like are my weak points and the value that I bring to him are his weak points. Yeah, bro. So like get it done in an hour and a half. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like perfect. And he's, he's so, he's like, dude, he's like a fucking wizard. Like I ran Facebook ads for like, his name's Cam, Cameron. <laughs> Link in the description. Yeah, I can, I can, I can connect you guys with him. He's not an IO or anything or on, um, I found him. Um, I actually met him at, um, I met him at college and he was a cool dude then. And like, just, you know, shy. Like not yeah. super, not super outgoing or anything, but dude was like a fucking genius. And so I always kind of kept in touch with him. And then, you know, he'd ask me about my business stuff, whatever. He actually, I guess I kind of like poached him from a company because he was working for, um, he was basically in the marketing department for a relatively big um, restaurant company that's actually based in Orlando. Um called uh actually i'm not gonna say their name but that wouldn't be good but um so he was working for them i basically told him like hey dude like you know come do this like we will split the profits 50 50 like you're way too good 
at this shit to be working for a company like that to you know pay you like pay you pennies on the dollar for what you're actually worth yeah, so he's like all right cool yeah so he's like all right cool like i'll you know i'll come work with you like see how it is i'm not gonna like quit my job yet or anything but now he's full-time working with me which is awesome so yeah we're 50 50 on the business which is like it's great yeah yeah and you gotta like do right with people or like do right by people if they are your friend in business like uh like when trevor pays for our shit and like we were both hurting last month like I'm going to fucking offer him, like, last month's end this month. Like, that would be so shitty. Like, if I didn't bring it up, it pro- nothing probably would have happened. Yeah. But, like, you have to bring those types of shit up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really give a shit, bro. I, I mean, I covered it. My bank account, that shit got taken out. So it don't matter to me. <laughs> that shit's already taken out, bro. It's yeah, it's a principle you. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I'm much more about, like, you know, I would rather... Like I would, I would sacrifice, I guess, money for relationships, like okay. any day of the week, oh, like okay. friendship, relationships, business partnerships, whatever it is. Like I'd take the money, money loss up front in order to kind of have that good long-term relationship. So totally, totally agree with yeah, that. Bro, that's right? the realtor we ran into. Like we're not getting paid by him to do what we're doing, but I mean, this dude's network in Florida, his realtor network in Florida. Why would I not work with him for free? Show what I got. Yeah, like, exactly. This, this dude knows half of Florida. Like it, it would be, it would be stupid of me to think that my money is more worth it than him. Like, it just, yeah, and if you can provide the value to somebody like that, like I was talking about those, um, how I was doing basically, like I had a couple of deals with uh, real estate brokerages, kind of like California, Colorado, uh, to speak about crypto. Like I never would have gotten that opportunity had I not done free work for a realtor within one of those brokerages and then they go like holy shit like this kid's willing to just help me out like that's awesome like i'm gonna connect you with all these other people who are gonna pay you like a solid amount of money to just simply speak about stuff you already know and i'm like shit like glad i did that for free up front like glad i did the like 10 hours for free like i just got you know whatever it is like yeah so i'm i'm totally with you guys on that like relationships are above money and so like if you can sacrifice money to have those long-term relationships it's totally worth it shit right yeah where are we at on time trev i've been noticing with the io guys we go a lot longer because <laughs> we could talk like it's we got people that think like us act like us talk like us so it's, it's easier to sit down and talk but we're at 145 almost so cool with that um Trying to think of one real quick question. I got I got a final question that run by you. Let's hear it. For the people that um, may have a relative that is uh, close to dying, maybe they're in hospice or sick real bad. What's like one thing you would wish you had known about that whole grieving? Wish that you know, like I could. There's a you couple different some- answers I could give here. Um, the classic answer that like everybody tells you who's kind of been through it is like everybody goes through their own grieving process. Like it's different for everybody, Um, which I found to be true. Like it's been different amongst me, you know, myself, my brother and my mom um, and everybody who knew my dad. It's all, it's different for everybody. But I would say the biggest, like the biggest key of going through that grieving process is like no matter what the memories are 
you have to do your absolute best to pick out the good memories and really have those stick with you. Like if you go through, you know, like loss is tough. Like it's going to be, it's going to be hard, whether it's your dog, whether it's, you know, some dude you knew 20 years ago, whether it's, you know, your, your mom or your dad, like it's, it's rough no matter what. And everyone goes through their emotions. But if you can keep in the back of your mind, those positive emotions that you had, those positive experiences that you had with this person, it makes the whole process and it makes the, I guess the sad parts, like the down parts of the grieving process so much easier because even when you're sad, even when you feel those negative emotions, you can always kind of call on those positive memories. Like for me with my dad, it was that we would go, um, you know, we would go, like I played baseball growing up. And so we would go to the baseball field like every weekend for like, you know, four or five hours and he'd just throw me balls and I'd just hit balls and, you know, whatever. He'd pitch to me and I'd hit and we would just hang out. And it was like literally the best time of my life. And so I just kind of keep that memory always in the back of my head, even if I feel sad, even if I feel, you know, pissed off that he's gone. And it just makes it, it just makes it a lot easier to kind of get through those negative times. Trav, you know what phrase I'm thinking of? They got a phrase in the army. And it, people make fun of it, but it applies to a lot to shit. Uh, it's called hunt the good stuff. It's like, yeah, you could be upset, but if you find that good shit and hunt it out, dude, that's what's going to stick with you and help you get through. Yep. It, totally. That, that's like, that's perfect way to put it. Always so, some good stuff, man. Yeah. No, man, that's, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. And I would say that's the key to kind of getting through Getting through, cause getting through the tough times of losing somebody that you love because there's going to be tough times. Like It doesn't matter you know, how tough of a dude you are. Like It does not fucking matter. There's going to be tough times. So again, yeah, hug the good stuff. Keep it in the back of your mind. Makes it all just much easier to get through. Hell yeah, brother. Well, that's With dope that, answer, y'all, thank you for tuning in. Red Man, like I said, I'm... I'm very proud, and you, you give me a lot of optimism for the future, man. You, it's like an aura through the computer screen that I get, man. It's, it's really nice to see more people out there thrive and succeeding and even face, like facing adversity like that and getting through it and still becoming the man you are. That's, especially in today's day and age, man, that's not too common. So <laughs> I pat awesome. you on the back, man. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being open about it, man. Like, like I said with Riley, like I said every episode, we can't do the episodes unless we have people willing to be open about it with us. So with someone like you, it's a lot easier to talk about, a lot easier to just, I mean, it takes the weight off my shoulders, you know, and and like I, could, I couldn't be more appreciative for, for having you on. So thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, you got anything? Yeah, no, just um, you have like this remarkable level of maturity and, and perspective. And I think more people – could benefit from hearing your story because like trevor said there's a lot to be upset about but like listening to you it's like a white pill it's like (laughs) you know i'm saying like there are people like you out there like that's what gives me hope because going from california especially like you can you can make it out there dude like you have (laughs) that gives that gives me (laughs) for real bro that gives me hope though so no thanks for coming on dude really appreciate it noble yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys. I really appreciate the kind words and I appreciate the time. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what you guys are doing moving forward. And 
we'll definitely have to chat about the uh, about the go high level stuff. So we'll get we'll get something in the works. <laughs> but it was great. It was great being on. Thank you guys. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. All right, we'll catch y'all next time. Episode thirty two done, baby.